This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. friends, welcome back to another episode of the Worth Recovery Podcast. This is episode 151, the evolution of recovery or recovery evolution, however you want to say that. Um, I'm glad to be back. It's been a few months. Um, It's been like four months, I think, since I've recorded. um, Well, not since I've recorded, but since I've produced and released a podcast episode and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, And um, but I just am glad to be back. I'm very glad to be back. So today, the day that I am releasing this episode um, is October 4th, and it's the two-year anniversary of my mom's passing. And um, I don't really have a lot to say about that, except for that grief is an amazingly terrible, awful, rewarding, um, transformative journey. And if you find yourself in grief today for whatever that loss may look like, um, I just know that, that there are, that I am too, um, that grief, grief moves forward with us. I don't know that we ever get over grief. I don't think we ever get over grief. Um, But it definitely, we can definitely learn to move forward with our grief and allow it to be part of our lives when we welcome it. But that's a whole nother episode. So let's not, let's not get into that. Let's not get distracted by that today. Uh, Just know that if that's where you're at today is in grief for the losses of your life, um, I'm thinking about you and me too. What I want to talk today about, or what I want to share with you today, though, um, is about the evolution of recovery. So I run a phone meeting that um, that I attend. It's for women in sex addiction, and um, I run that, that phone meeting. And this last week, uh, I called in my regular time, I waited, and not a single person called in or showed up. And I, that hasn't happened on this particular meeting. Um, I can, at least since I've been running it, then that hasn't happened. And so I was the only one that called in and I had a full meeting all by myself. I read the script. I did the little, you know, the little check-in things, the prayers that we do. I read from the book. I even shared out loud by myself um, on this meeting. Uh, My meeting was about 25, maybe 30 minutes as I read, um, shared, pondered, said my, you know, prayers, the third and, and uh, the third step prayer and the serenity prayer. And I had my own little private meeting. Now, this isn't the first time I've had a private meeting and I know some people (laughs) think that, um, you know, they're like, oh, nobody called in, woohoo, hang up the phone and they're done, right? Um, But I I needed a meeting, 
right? Like I attend a meeting because I needed that meeting. And so I had the meeting by myself. Now, maybe as you've listened to my podcast, you've gotten the impression that I have this huge circle of support um, and that I've always had lots of it in my recovery. And while that is true, I, I have, I've had a lot of support uh, throughout my recovery process. Um, I'm very fortunate in those ways, but, but we have to get real here because I've had meetings by myself uh, a lot of times, more than just a handful. I would probably say, I would venture to say probably close to like the 30, 40, maybe even 50 mark that I've attended a meeting and been the only one at the meeting. Um, I'm under no illusion that, you know, that I hope you're not either, that recovery support for women is easy to find. It's not. It's not easy to find. Um, I'm trying to work on that, and hopefully you are trying to work on that in your area of the world as well, but it's not always easy to find. And we also have to get really real about this because recovery, for the most part, is a solo job. It's something that you do for yourself, and it's something um, that you have to take 100% ownership and control over because recovery... Some people feel like they can't recover because they don't have money. Um, but recovery is not about money. Recovering, recovering is not about money either. Uh, you can just turn on the news and watch the number of celebrities and the number of rehabs that they've gone to and the number um, of times they've gone to rehab and the um, amount that rehab costs and realize that the solution to recovery is not money. Money's not about that. It's also not necessarily about a specific therapist or a fellowship or finding exactly the right one. Um, yeah, sure, therapy helps and there are clear advantages to having money or good therapists or things like that. Okay, I, I get that. I'm not, not under an illusion about that. But recovery is an inside job. If I want it, I have to be willing to do the work that it takes. And I've heard this before, I'm not sure who said it, but I've heard that recovery is something that I do for myself, but not necessarily by myself, right? I don't have to do it by myself, but I do have to do it for myself. And that means that even if no one shows up at the meeting, or even if I go to 10 therapists while I'm trying to find a good one, I have to do recovery for myself, and sometimes that means by myself, uh, like the meeting that I had this week where I called in and I was the only one there and I had the meeting all by myself. But what I've learned in recovery is that I have to create what I need. If I need something in recovery, if I need a support circle, if I need a group, if I need a meeting to go to, if I need a sponsor, sometimes I have to create those things for myself. And the, the way that this kind of helps to talk about evolution of recovery is that that's not how I started recovery. I didn't start recovery believing that I had to create things for myself. Um, I didn't even really believe or know that I had to do things by myself um, or that that was my responsibility to find what I needed. That's not something that I started recovery with. That's not a mindset that was with me from the very beginning. 
it's something that I've had to learn in recovery. It's one of the many evolutions that I've gone through and had to make in recovery. Recovery is full of evolution opportunities. So let's talk about real quickly the, the, the definition of evolution. Um, I love definitions. So the definition of evolution is the gradual development of something, especially from a simple to a more complex form, right? That's what evolution is about. It's the gradual development of something. This mindset that I have to do recovery for myself, um, and sometimes that means by myself, <laughs> um, the, the mindset that I have to create what I need, that's not something I started with. That's something that evolved over time. As I dug into recovery, I realized that that was a development. That was something I had to have in order to stay in recovery. So today I want to share some of the evolutions that we might make in our recovery um, and that I've made in my recovery. Um, some that I would recommend that, that you think about in your own recovery process, wherever that is for you. So um, before we talk about those specifically, though, let's talk about the mindset that I started with in recovery, because now I have a whole different mindset. But where did I start? And the mindset that I started with at the beginning of my recovery process, I would describe as rigid. I was a very rigid person. Um, part of that is I love mathematics, and so I want an equation, right? I want you to tell me, like, this plus this plus this equals success. This plus this plus this equals sobriety, right? I wanted kind of those um, equations that I could rely on every time. That was, that was what I, that's why I love math, because it's reliable. And, you know, the equations and the steps and the processes are always the same, and they always will get me the same result. But recovery is not like that, hint, hint. But rigid, rigidity and being rigid was how I started. And so I figured when I started recovery, you know, if it worked for this person, then that had to work for me too, right? So I had to do it that way because they were sober. And so that must be what I need to do in order to get sober. I fell into this trap a lot because I'm a I'm a rule follower um not so much anymore but I was at the beginning and so I got really rigid and like I said that's part of my math you know I wanted the equation right I wanted the silver bullet that like if I do these things and you know I can check them off then that's going to equal perfect sobriety right or recovery and I wanted that however because all of the things that bring us to recovery um, and bring us to addiction or bring us into this recovery space are unique. Every Everybody's story is unique. The solutions are also unique, right? What works for me might not work for you. What works for, you know, the leader at your group might not work for you. Uh, that's part of this unique process that we have in recovery. Now, we're not so unique that nothing will work for us, right? But part of it is finding what works. 
When we start out in recovery, we do what others suggest that we do because we just need to do something. And a lot of us don't know what to do or where to go or how to start. And so we just do what people tell us to do. And even the literature will tell you, just bring the body, it says, right? Bring the body to meetings, do what people tell you to do, and somehow you'll get sober. And they kind of they kind of tell us that. And for most people, that process does work. If I come and I just come to meetings over and over again, if I do what people suggest, if I listen to what they have to say, then my life changes and I things start to get better. But if we stay there too long, only doing things because people tell us to do or only doing things because this person did it and they stayed sober, then sometimes we find ourselves six, 12, maybe 18 months sober down the road without really understanding why we're doing what we're doing and even if it's really working for us or not. Usually this presents, this idea presents when we start to slip or maybe even we find ourselves in the middle of a relapse and we ask ourselves, uh, how did I get here? Uh, what happened? Uh, I was doing so good. What happened? Why, why am I here all of a sudden? And all of a sudden, the things that we were doing before just don't seem to work for us anymore. And that's because we're evolving as a person. But our recovery practice wasn't keeping up with that evolution. And this happens a lot in recovery and just in life in general. Sometimes we wake up one day and we discover that the religion or the church that we've been attending all of our lives just doesn't cut it anymore. It doesn't work for us. Or maybe we wake up and discover that our partner wants different things than we do. And it feels like jarring, like all of a sudden you made this realization. Maybe you wake up one day and you hate your job or the dreams that you had for your life have totally changed. And I think it's important to realize that these things might feel jarring, but they don't happen overnight. Uh, It's because something has changed and there's been some evolution in our lives or the life of our partner and we haven't caught up. We haven't allowed that evolution to flow into the other areas of our life. I love this story and I don't remember who told it. I'm going to see if I can find out, but I love the story. It was told by um, a gentleman in recovery, but he talked about how he'd been sober for a couple different years, for a couple years and was just starting to kind of hit a wall and really trying to figure out like, what's next? And he felt like he was kind of slipping and things weren't really moving forward the way that he wanted them to. And he was just really, really frustrated. And he found an old timer. Um, I believe he was at some type of conference um, or retreat uh, for the fellowship that he was attending. And he found an old timer, someone who'd been sober for years, 10, 15 years, and was explaining his dilemma and just saying like, I don't really know what to do. And and the, the person asked, well, you know, have you prayed about it? Have you talked to your higher power about it? And he said, yeah, of course, you know, like that's a big part of my recovery. And so I just don't feel like I'm getting answers and I don't know what to do and blah, blah, blah. And, and the old timer said to him, you know, have you thought about that? Maybe the God that got you sober isn't the God that's going to keep you sober. And 
And he just was like, what? It like, kind of didn't make sense to him. And so they went on to explain that as you evolve in recovery, your life has to evolve. The way that you perceive things has to evolve. Maybe, you know, the way that you, you made some transformation in the way that you related to God or your higher power when you got into recovery. Maybe it's time that that relationship take another evolution and change a little bit. And I just really was impacted by that story um, because I was at that time, this was a few years ago, kind of struggling with my own relationship with the higher power. What did that look like? Um, And so that was impactful for me because it was higher power related. But as I've gone on, I realized how true that is about our lives and about our recovery, that things have to evolve. If they don't evolve, then we become like that stagnant body of water that just gets covered with moss and and doesn't really have, you know, fresh water coming into it to keep it clean. And so we have to be able to evolve. That's just part of the human condition. We're constantly evolving here on earth. Um my personal evolution story, I love to tell this story, is that I don't have wisdom teeth. I was born without wisdom teeth. Um, They aren't in my jaw anywhere. They are not impacted. I never had them removed. I just don't have wisdom teeth. And when I was talking to the dentist about it, this was, I don't know, probably 15, 20 years ago, the dentist said, oh, actually that's becoming more and more common that people are being born without wisdom teeth because we don't need them anymore. Um, We now have these habits of taking care of our teeth and, you know, primitive man or early man didn't really take care of their teeth and they needed that set of molars to grow in because by the time, you know, they were 20 or so, those molars, um, some of our molars had decayed and so they needed a new set of molars. But we are evolving as people. And so more and more people are being born without wisdom teeth like me. I don't have any wisdom teeth. Um, I also have heard and seen that more and more people are being born without an appendix because we don't need the appendix anymore. It's uh, because of the evolution of our diet and the evolution of the things that we eat. Some of those organs are not as needed anymore. And so we can live without an appendix. I just think that that's part of the evolutionary story of our lives. We're constantly adapting um, to what is happening around us. But if we're not consciously allowing that evolution to flow into other areas of our lives, we discover that one day what we've been doing or how we've been living, all of a sudden, it feels jarring, but all of a sudden doesn't work for us anymore. This can be dangerous. <laughs> this can be dangerous in 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 a relationship, it can be dangerous in recovery. We don't want to wake up um, one day from a total relapse or a lust binge or a lust hangover only to realize that what we've been doing doesn't work for us anymore. That's not what we want. And so to combat this idea, we must be doing some periods of self-reflection. We need to have some evaluation periods in our life to see if we're moving in the direction that we want to be moving. We've got to be doing a period of self-reflection and a period of trying to understand kind of where we're at and making sure that we're being congruent, that the things that we're living, that the 
um, evolution that's taking place inside of us is flowing to the other areas of our life. So that's what I've been doing the last three months is kind of doing this period of self-reflection. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily bland or intended, um, but it's been a necessary piece of my life as I start to move forward into new things. Uh, during that period of self-reflection, I decided that I wanted to go back to school and become a therapist. And so I'm in my second semester of school um, and going back to school to be uh, a therapist and be able to support women in new ways, which I'm super super excited about. Um, during that period of self-reflection, I also decided that there were a lot of things in my life that had been taking up some time. Um, I realized that my workaholism was out of control. That's uh, one of the coping mechanisms I use when I don't want to feel <laughs> is I just make my life so busy that I don't have time to feel. <laughs> I just don't have time. And so I just pick up new things to do and do and do and do and do. And that way I don't have to feel anymore um, because I'm just too busy to feel. And so I've made, I had to get sober with that and get current with that and, and start talking to some people about, about that issue that I have. And I'm in a much better place and am moving forward in a really exciting direction for me. Um, that has involved, I have kind of this phase out approach of all these things in my life I'm phasing out um, over the next, till the end of the year. And then starting in January, all the things I'm going to start phasing in um, to my life in the areas that I want to be doing. That's part of my problem with workaholism is I just do stuff that's distracting rather than intentional or purposeful. And so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to have done some you know, some work around that area of my life and to be moving in a, in a better direction. So those are two of the major changes that have happened in my own life in the last three months. And I'm excited about the direction of that. I'm excited about where I'm going. I'm excited about what's happening. Um, and so I wanted to share with you, though, some of the evolutions that I have done also um, over the course of my recovery. So it's hard to believe that, in, you know, it's 2019. So it's been nine years since I started this process of recovery and nine years since I started figuring out all of these issues in my life. Um, and so I wanted to give you some of the evolutions that I have made in my life and some that I would, con I would recommend that you really think about for your own recovery. Um, so the first one is sobriety, right? And I would ask, is your sobriety definition working for you? Is it working for you? Is it moving you towards, like if we're talking about sex addiction, which is what we talk about on this podcast. So is your sobriety definition moving you towards healthy sexuality? Is it too restrictive? Is it not restrictive enough? Are there areas where you're allowing yourself to slip? Are you so tightened up on your... Um, on your sobriety definition that you don't allow for just your natural, healthy sexual drive or natural, healthy sexual cycle or rhythm. Um, so that's one area that you got to think about. Are there area, other areas of your life that you need to have some limits um, or some boundaries when we talk about sobriety? Like for me, there's that workaholism issue. Um, and so that's an area of my life that needs some boundaries and some limitations. 
And that's an area that I need to consider in my overall life sobriety. So for you, where are you at? Is your definition working? I know for me early on, like here's an example for me early on, um, I could not listen to a lot of the music that I would normally have listened to. I think I've talked before about like, I really like Maroon 5. And they have this album called Songs About Jane, which really should be titled Songs About Sex with Jane, because that's what it's about. And, you know, that was kind of newer when I um, was early in recovery. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. There were several um, albums that I had to kind of just cut out for a while. But I didn't cut them out forever. You know, there are things that I've been able to allow back into my life um, that that have been healthy for me and, and that I enjoy doing. So sobriety. Sobriety should take an evolution in your life. Uh, the coaching clients that I work with, I suggest at least every six months. When we're early on, we look every three months. So we set a sobriety definition, and then three months later, we do an evaluation. Is that working? Is it moving us the direction that we want to go? Are there things I need to add, things I need to take away? Are there other areas of my life that I need to look at as far as overall sobriety? Um, if you're well into your sobriety, then maybe that's a, an every six month thing. Maybe that's an every year thing. But we can't let that just sit stagnant, right? We've got to look at that evolution. Um, on the same kind of idea, I would ask you about your fellowships, right? If you're attending a 12-step fellowship or some type of support group or support fellowship, is your meeting working for you? When you attend, do you feel supported? Do you feel heard? right? Is it worth your time? Do you feel relief and support while you're attending? Maybe are there other areas in your life that might benefit from work, from a different type of fellowship? I know for me, I attended the ACA fellowship for a long time, the Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. Um, maybe that's an area that you need to work, or maybe it's Al-Anon, or maybe it's Essanon, because every woman that I have ever met in sex addiction recovery was first a victim. And maybe Essanon, you need to spend some time there. That's the fellowship for family members that are affected by sex addiction. Maybe you need to spend some time there um, to really, really look at the different areas in the, of your life that you need support and help in. If your fellowship's not working for you, if you feel like your meeting's not working for you, I would ask um, you to do a real good self-evaluation of, is that my fault? Sometimes, you know, we go to meetings and we expect other people to, to give us what we need, right? We go and we just kind of sit back and we don't really share and we don't participate, but we just kind of expect that other people should fill in and give me what I need without my own um, contribution, so ask yourself, is that is that your problem, right? Is, is your fellowship not working because of you? Um, another area that has, you know, evolved for me is my sponsorship. For sure. <laughs> when I first started sponsoring, um, I was very rigid because what had worked for my sponsor and what she handed down to me was how I had worked the program and how I became sober. And so I handed that down to the people that I sponsored. And I had a very rigid approach. If you're not willing to do these things on my timetable, then, you know, maybe we're not a good match. 
And that's what I needed to do at the beginning of my recovery because I didn't really know any other way and I wasn't really flexible enough to be able to meet that person where they were at. But as my recovery evolved and my sobriety evolved and my life evolved, my sponsorship had to evolve too. And I recognized that a few years in and started to be a lot more flexible in the way that I sponsored, which has been a lot more successful for me in the long run. And so you need to look at that too. You know, is the evolution or the changes happening inside of you, is that flowing out to the other areas of your life? So those three things are all kind of addiction related, your sobriety, your fellowship, and your sponsorship. I would also ask about therapy, right? If you're attending therapy, if therapy is a piece of your life, is that working for you? Are you making progress? Are you making progress in a good direction? Do you need to have a meeting with your therapist and say, hey, I don't feel like I'm making progress. Let's talk about that. Have you ever asked your therapist, like, what do you see as the major blocks that I'm not seeing in my life? That's a really great discussion. I had that discussion with my therapist, with both of my major therapists in recovery of just like, what do you see that I'm not seeing in my life? Um, And they were both really informative, kind of um, raw conversations because um, I, I was in denial about some of those things. And, you know, just having those conversations was really beneficial. And so have you outgrown your therapist? Um, Are you making progress or not? And do you need to to look at that? Uh, Two more areas that you might think about in your life um, is your support circle, kind of your friendships and your support circle in recovery, but also just in life, right? Like who are the people in your life that are in your support circle? Should they be there? As you're changing, are they changing? Are, as you're doing things differently, are, are they keeping up, right? Is it still a supportive, mutual, beneficial relationship? And then last, I would say, what about your other significant relationships in your life? Partners, family members, things like that. Are, is the evolution that you're doing and the changes that you're doing, are those flowing out into those relationships? Are you having different types of conversations with them? Are you telling them about the evolutions that you're experiencing or the changes that you're experiencing? Every single one of those areas in your life as you evolve need to evolve with you. If they're not evolving with you, then one day you might wake up and be like, oh, what is going on in my life? And what's happening? And why does this feel so out of place and jarring? Sometimes those things don't show up until we're, you know, down the road. Um, Maybe down the road of a slip or down the road of a relapse. But as you grow in recovery, your recovery practice has to grow with you. As you evolve, as you change, your recovery practice has to evolve and change with you. You can't always do what you've always done, even in recovery. We say that a lot at the beginning of recovery, you know, that if you want something different, you've got to do different things, right? So that doesn't just stop at the beginning of recovery, we have to continue to evolve. As I'm nine years into this thing, I, I bet I can tell you my recovery practice evolves over time. 
things that I did early on, I don't do now. Things that I do now probably wouldn't have worked for me early on. And so it's just a process and it's an evolution that we go through. And we need to be open to that evolution and not live in kind of this rigid world. Early on in recovery, rigidity might serve you. And it might have done a really great job early on. It did for me. Um, And I needed it. I just needed to do things. But as I grow and as you grow, things will change. And you need to keep up with that. I am grateful um, that I know that. I'm grateful that I've allowed that in my life. I, I should say, I should correct myself. I'm grateful that I allowed people to show me that in my life. I don't know that that's an idea that I would have come to naturally. But through the process of being open and through the process of working my own recovery and seeing other people's work and also working with really good people um, in my therapy and other support networks, I saw that what I was doing wasn't working for me anymore and it was time to make some changes. And I've been open to that process and I'm grateful for the last, I don't know, about four years really, five years maybe, as my recovery has continued to evolve and as things have continued to change. And that has been an amazing process and there's been a process of losing some people um, and that's been good, uh, hard, but good. It's been a process of discovering myself in some ways of what actually works for me. Because to to ask and be honest about that question of what works for me, I've got to be very self-aware and I've got to be really honest with myself about what's working and what's not working. And so you've got to be willing to do that. Um, but it's been a really good transformative process. So I would encourage you over the next week or so to really think about where you're at in recovery Even if it's day five or if it's year five or, you know, if it's day 27 or year 27, whatever is going on for you, it's time to really be honest and ask yourself, what's working for me? And do more of what's working for you and less of uh, rigid rules that aren't quite hitting the mark. I don't have time to do stuff that's not working for me. I'm assuming you don't either. I hope that's helpful for you today to really think about the evolution of your recovery and where you want that to evolve. That's the great thing too, is you get to decide kind of the direction of where that goes. I'm grateful to be back. I'm grateful to um, be with you today. And I hope that you remember that no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what it is, no matter how far you think you've gone, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. 100%. And if you don't believe that, you can trust me until you get there. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. 
I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.